Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Better together. I want to talk about, this is the first part of a four-part series that we're going to be doing. It's about coming together as people. And, uh, but today's theme is about everyone drives me crazy. And I just want you to kind of walk through this with me and uh, maybe you'll see yourself or others around you. I, I've been told that in the past that I drive people crazy. Now, you may find that hard to believe. But, uh, you know, sometimes I think I step on the last nerve that exists in someone's life, and instead of bringing something of a healing, I drove them crazy. It's more of a division. And I thought, you know, there's so many things that divide us as people in this world today. For example, political stripes. Some people uh, put signs out in their yards, you know, vote for this person, that person. And as soon as you see that, you identify and you say, aha, they're a liberal. Or, aha, they're a PC. Or, aha, they're the Green Party or whatever else. There's so many stripes out there. So that will divide us as people in discussion sometimes, because my mother always told me, you do not talk about two things in our home. The first one is politics, and the second is... And then I turn on the news, and what do they talk about? Politics and religion. So it's always interesting. Those things can divide us instead of unite us sometimes. Sports allegiance. Yes, Green Bay, go. Um, social media rants, uh, age, race, gender, uh, personalities, temperaments, uh, anger styles, workout routines, if you're a vegan, a vegetarian, a meditarian, whatever you are. All these things can create isolation where we step away, but maybe somewhere in there we might be a better me if we learned how to do we. I might be a better me if I could learn how to do we. What if we truly did get better together, like the shirt says? What if life could be better together? The question is, that is that possible? Is that possible? Seems like the right idea, doesn't it? But there's some hesitancies on our part because they're stumbling blocks. Because some of you sitting here today, perhaps, when you leave church and you go outside... And you're talking to, if you're married, talking to your spouse. And all of a sudden you think to yourself, he's driving me crazy. Or you pick up the kids from church. How was church, guys? And they start telling you, oh, it's wonderful. We learned this. We learned that. That is so great. You get home and they're jumping off the couch. And they're doing all kinds of stuff. And you're like, didn't you learn anything at church today? Weren't you just talking about how to obey your parents? You kids are driving me crazy. Go to your room. All of a sudden, that happens. Or what about this? Your wife and you are out for a nice dinner, and you're sitting there, and you're listening, and all of a sudden you say to yourself, what in the world is she talking about? Uh Uh-huh. You're driving me crazy moments, and we all have them. Some of us think our boss is insane. Some of us think that the kids are insane. Some of us think our neighbors are insane. Some of us think the whole world is insane. 
And so we get caught up in those routines. Better together sounds good on paper, sounds good when you're saying it, but in the real world, the bottom line, I'm not sure because I think everybody drives me crazy. And so coming together might be difficult. So better together, how do we tackle it? And the question is, do people drive you crazy, yes or no? Some people drive you crazy, yes. So we know how to answer that one. question is, what kind of people drive you crazy? Now, here's five examples. Maybe you can recognize five examples. How about the incessant talker? That person uses sentences to join sentences to give you sentences without ever breathing. I can never figure out when I'm talking to a person like that how they breathe. And then when they ask you a question before you can answer it, they're talking again. They're just the incessant talker. There's the close talker. That's the person who gets in your face, and they don't respect your space. In other words, if you're standing here, they're like this. And so you're waltzing around the room trying to find space where they're not in your face. They can drive you a little crazy. How about the silent stare? Like some of you are doing at me right now. You're talking to them and there's no facial expression. You think they're, you think they're dead? And you're just talking away, and they're just staring at you. It's like, whoo, the silent stare. You go, okay, this is creeping me out. And then there's the annoyer. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes if I'm working outside all day and I walk in, I might have a husband's odor. He's not owed to joy. Uh, maybe the way a friend eats. I remember one time we were sitting with some people. We just met them, and I was watching this man, a grown man. Not once did he lift his uh, fork from the plate. He went like this at the table, in a restaurant. And I'm right across from this guy, and I'm watching him. I'm going, seriously? I wanted to tip the table up a little bit, you know. (laughs) The boss cleaning his teeth during the meeting. I've been guilty of that one. But there are also people that do purposely annoy us. Teenagers. (laughs) Sometimes they, sorry, can be annoying. And, uh, or a relative... In the last one, there's many, many examples. The next one is a drama queen. Now, this is drama queen. Men and women are drama queens. Don't think it's just the ladies, okay? And what is a drama queen? Well, I'll tell you what. High drama all the time. They're up here all the time. And no matter what story you tell them, they had it worse than you. You can say, I was in the war and I lost my leg. And they said, oh, that's nothing. Excuse me? The drama queen. They'll outdo you every time. And don't ever ask a drama queen, how was your day? You get what you ask for. So don't set yourself up. And you think to yourself, wow, you know what? Maybe you're on that list and maybe I am somewhere and it's a long list, right, Wolfgang, of people? How many of you work in the public? You deal with people all the time. Yeah? Do some people drive you crazy? Uh Uh-huh. I remember when I worked in a provincial park. I was 17 years old. That's where I met my beautiful wife, April. And uh, I was working in the gatehouse. Long weekend. Southern Ontario. Hot, hot weather. We would have, on the average, over 1,000 cars come in just in a morning. And so I'm working in the gatehouse. I'm selling the little tickets in those days. And... uh, 
inevitably, inevitably, somebody would pull up, windows down, back in the day when the cars were all jacked up and ready to go, and this car comes in, and the guy's yelling because I can't hear him. And then he says, did a blue Chevy come in with four people in it? And because I'm a public servant, I can't answer the way I want to. And I just yell back, possibly, but if you want to buy a ticket and go look, go for it. You don't remember? I say, I'm not sure, sir. Drive me crazy. And sometimes I'm on that list and I might do it to you or to others. And you think, better together? Well, if we're going to really learn, we have to look at one person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our teacher about being better together. There's no one greater than Jesus. And, and you'll see why in a moment. And one of the things, when we look at Jesus, now just stop for a minute. Was Jesus God? All right. Was he also human? Okay, so he, was, he had the divinity of God, and yet he had the aspects of humanity. In other words, he got hungry, he wept, he went through everything that we go through was Jesus. So you can't just say, well, you know, he was the son of God, and therefore because he was son of God, there shouldn't have been any issues. He should have dealt with everybody just wonderfully and nice and friendly, and he knew how to do it. So we can't use him. Wrong. In every way, Jesus experienced life in his humanity, but he was never broken or subject to sin. And so I want you to follow with me. I'm going to read Matthew 14. It'll be on the PowerPoint. I don't know if I put this part on the PowerPoint. I'm going to break it down so you'll see more of it. But Matthew 14, uh, 13 to 21 in the New International Version. If you have it, follow along. If you don't, just listen. Matthew 14 tells us this. At the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus. And he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he's afraid of the people. So what happens is, eventually he does. And it tells us in verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that we can, they can go to the villages, buy themselves some food. Jesus replies, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he says. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate, they were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And so they estimate there was probably about 15,000 people there. That is a town. 
And it's interesting to walk through this as Jesus did about people driving you crazy. Now, when we look at Jesus, he had just lost somebody. Who, who, who was killed? John the Baptist, the first cousin of Jesus. And so Jesus hears this news, and it says when Jesus heard in verse 13 of chapter 14, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew. He got on a boat privately, and he went to a solitary, a far-off place. What do the crowds do? Do they leave him alone? No. Do they go for him? Yes. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. The crowds won't give him a break. They won't allow Jesus to grieve as we would grieve. As soon as you hear tragic news, we go into a state of shock. And then the grieving process begins. And this crowd had no emotional intelligence at all to have the feeling for Jesus. It's kind of like when you're sick and somebody says, get over it. Get on with it. The emotional intelligence is just not there. And the compassion and the empathy disappears as it did from this crowd. And I thought, shouldn't they have known that Jesus purposely got in a boat and went off to a solitary place to be alone. We all need that from time to time. Jesus needed that. But the crowds went after him. And maybe you and I, if, if, you know, if we'd been there, maybe if we'd been with Jesus just in that moment, we would have went, Hey, you people! Leave the man alone. He needs to grieve. Get out of here. You're going to drive him crazy. Maybe that's what I would have done. Maybe you would have done that. I don't know. It's the famous WWJD. What would Jesus do? And what did Jesus do? It tells us when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. So they followed him. There's the boat. He's going over there. That's where he's going to land. Let's go. So this huge crowd follows around. And when he sees them, it says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So even though Jesus himself was feeling sick in the sense of his heart, He healed them. He stops. He takes care of the sick. He has compassion on them. He gives everything he can to help them. But it's not just the crowd that Jesus is dealing with. And this is the point. There's these 12 guys that hang out with Jesus. What are they called? Disciples. Where did they come from? Who picked them? All night prayer. He picked them. I heard from the Father. He picked them. And after he picked them, these were the 12 And these guys are there in the midst of the crowd. They're watching all this. Jesus was by himself in the boat. They too had to go around. They too had to go with the crowd and see what was happening. And I thought, did these guys just show a lack of caring for Jesus? Didn't they realize what had happened? They knew. And it tells us, as evening approached, the disciples come to him. So the 12. And they said, hey, Jesus, this is a a remote place. There's nothing to eat around here. Would you please tell the people to go? They just need to get out of here so they can go buy themselves some food. So, Jesus, you're in charge. Just, just take, take care of it. The disciples don't seem to protect Jesus. They've let the crowds at him, and now they're coming at him about the problem of the food. As if Jesus doesn't have enough to deal with, he's already grieving. He's trying to deal with thousands of people, and he has compassion on them, just as God calls us to have compassion on other people. Do you agree? Helping our neighbors, loving other people. If we're going to do better together, we better learn how to do better with others. 
And so here's Jesus in this situation, and these guys come to him, and they say there's 5,000 men plus women plus children. They need to be fed. And Jesus says they do not need to go away. says to the 12, you give them something to eat. You do something about the problem. And, of course, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be going, "Uh, duh, Uh, we don't have enough food for this. What are we supposed to do? They said, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. The answer that they came up with was to steal a kid's lunch. They said, we know how to fix this. Here you go, Jesus. There's enough for us anyway, maybe, to eat, but the crowd, forget it. And they, they just watch Jesus, what he does. He tells the people to sit down. So all these people sit down. And he takes the bread and he takes the fish and he gives thanks and says he breaks the loaves and he gives it to the disciples. Now think about it. If you have two loaves, how far will that go if you break it? Naturally. How far would it go? Would it go very far? Would it feed all of you just in the natural? A few fish and everybody gets a little bite. Pass the fish, please, and I'll eat this little piece. Pass the fish, please. I'll eat a little piece. Would we do that today? No. It wouldn't feed us. But Jesus, being Jesus, and here is the supernatural, even though he's having human compassion on people, supernaturally healing them, he's stuck in this situation with these 12, and I think sometimes these guys were idiots. I mean, seriously, I mean, they, were you thinking this through at all? And Jesus says, give me the food. He prays over it. They pass it out. It says not only that in Scripture, it says the people were satisfied. You ever gone to a meal and you say, oh, I can't eat anymore? Anybody? Yeah. You eat it just like, oh, that was so good. That was so satisfying. We're blessed in this country to have that kind of food. And so they're just saying, wow, the people are satisfied. They've had enough. And so now go pick up 12, each of them. If it's, this is the lesson for them. Each of them brought back one basket. All 12 of them. 12 baskets. They each brought back one. Hey, Jesus, uh, we got some leftovers here. Good. Amazing. Wonderful. Let's go. And that was the story. And, and I'm sure, though, if I was Jesus in that moment, I don't know. I'm not Jesus, obviously. But if I was, I might be saying, I'm leaving the mission with these guys? I'm leaving them in charge? Oh, I don't know. if I'm sure he didn't think that, but I, I might have. And I thought there's so many examples in Scripture about how these disciples behave so poorly. And I thought, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, and I don't always behave the way I should either. Sometimes I behave poorly, and yet Jesus loves me. Despite of of an aptitude or idiotic tendencies, Jesus still values something called community. He still values community, even when community is not what it should be. He still values community. And I thought, why is that? Jesus knew what we have to admit today. Not only do we need someone, but also, guess what? They're not going to be exactly like us. We need others, and they're not going to be like us. And they sometimes make mistakes, just like I do. But the value of community is found being together, not in being the same. The value of community, folks, if we're going to pull this off, and what we believe the Lord wants to do, not only here, but in the communities where we live, think about this, it's found in being together, not in being the same. Because we're not the same. When I go to uh, the farmer's market and order a sausage, I like their sausages out there. 
I always say to the guy, I remember the first time I was ordering from this stand this guy had, and I said, uh, I'll have a, a summer sausage, whatever it was, Oktoberfest. I said, but no onions, no onions, please. And he said, what's with you no onion people? That's what he said to me. He said, no onions, no onions, no onions. It's not going to kill you. And this is the guy selling me the sausage. I said, well, oh, oh okay, um, maybe one onion. You know, I don't want to be offensive. But we're not all the same. Hallelujah for that. Can anybody say amen? Well, we're not all the same. As a matter of fact, do we all have different fingerprints? Yeah. We're not all the same. But yet, there's this picture of Jesus saying community is important. I never called you all to be the same. I called you to come together in my name. And if Jesus Christ finds life and mission that better together, shouldn't we? People get offended by other people and they stop going to church. People get offended by other people and they stop communing with them. People get offended by other people and they stop talking to them. They don't communicate anymore. They don't call them. They don't text them. They don't, they, they, you know, just all the stuff breaks down. Not with Jesus. Even though this was happening, he pulled it together. And I thought, how would that work in our lives? And I thought about the trip that I was on in Ethiopia and the compassion that we were showing for people there. But that might be easier than having compassion and showing the same empathy to a family member, to somebody you work with, to the guy on the bus, if you're sitting on the bus, and he's playing his music too loud, and he's got his earbuds in, and he can't hear himself, and he's singing off-key and out loud, and you're sitting right beside him. What do you do? Jerk. No, think about it. What do we do? We react. We think things. We may not say it, but we think it. And I thought I had more compassion maybe in people in Ethiopia than I might my own family. Or people who are on the street than I might my own family or my own body, the church. And I thought sometimes when I'm driving in traffic, and the speed limit is 90. And everybody's doing what? 100 and plus. But when you come behind somebody who's doing 60, I think we get more upset with that person than we do the people doing 120. Because all of a sudden, you go, you idiot. Drive the speed limit. Do you know in the States you can get a ticket for driving too slow? I don't know if you can do that here or not. Most of us drive too fast, we wouldn't know. But, but driving too slow, I mean, there's life circumstances. And maybe in that moment, as you drive behind that person and everybody's passing you, you can't pass and you say, oh, man, come on, speed up. What's that guy's problem? What, what does he think he's doing? Maybe it's a she. Maybe it's a teenager. Who's driving that car anyway? And you pass and it's your wife. Uh-oh. Or your husband. You know, instead of us getting upset, which we often do, maybe we should say, God, I have no idea of that person's story today. I do not know what they're going through. I just ask, Lord, that whatever it is, that you protect them and bless them and walk with them. Maybe we should turn our anger or upsetness into prayer. And... Others have failed you along your life. That's true, me too. Maybe we should give people an opportunity to succeed. 
Maybe we should give people an opportunity to grow. Maybe we should allow people mistakes. These poor guys run in the sound. They have been fighting this new board, trying to figure it out. And even this morning, it happened again, right? Adam, where's Adam? Happened again this morning. And so when I walked in to pray with them, they were all up here somewhere. Ha, 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 Because this wasn't working, that wasn't working. And let's just calm our spirits here. Let's just breathe and know that he is God. Be still and know it. Let's empower and encourage. Who amongst us doesn't make mistakes? Who amongst us remembers everything? I'm amazed, by the way, when I meet with couples, some of them married for years and years and years, and I'm sitting down, they have an issue that's finally come to a head, they finally come talk to me, and I'm listening to this man and this woman who have been married 30, 40, sometimes 50 years, and, and he or she will remember something from 30 years ago. It's true. He did this, or he said that, or she said this. When? Oh, 30 years ago? And you've been living in that all these years? Man, are you enjoying it? No. You know, we carry stuff, folks, we should never carry. If we're going to learn to live better together, we need to learn to let go and let God. If we're going to grow in these things, we're not going to be Jesus. We're not perfect by any means. But we can learn from him and how he empowered the disciples. You feed the twelve. And they're like, Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. And guess what? We can't do better together in our own strength either. We can only do it in Jesus. And he will give us the ability to do what he's called us to do. And so as we get started on this, this whole thing about being better together, um, just say it right out loud. First off, you get it out of the way. Everyone drives me crazy. Just, just get it out there. Set it all aside. And once you've set that all down, now move over and say, okay, Lord, What can I do about the craziness in my own life? What can I do to help other people? What can I do to walk this out? Praying for someone. Now, here's the the thing that you know you're changing. You pray for somebody who really annoys you. I call it the sandpaper person. God puts sandpaper people in your life to rub off your rough spots. Those places in your life that God's trying to change, and he'll send a sandpaper person in your life, and they will rub you the wrong way. And you're like, boom, 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 boom. Because they're in your face or whatever they might be. In that moment in time, when you can start praying and really releasing that person or that situation to God, then you can learn what it is to be better together because your heart changes. And when that starts to happen, life changes. And God will help us. And, and the last thing is, I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we conclude is um, there, there was a song a number of years ago. I think it was a vineyard, I'm not sure. or could have, I, don't, I don't know who did it. Some of you might know. But there's a line in there. And it said, Lord, break my heart with the things that break yours. And the first time I heard that, I thought, oh, my goodness. Lord, break our hearts with the things that break yours. Let's stand, please. And then just as you're standing, I want you to think for a moment. Just close your eyes. Think for a moment if there's someone who annoys you. Someone who just gets under your skin. And that could have been today. Or it could have been 30 years ago. 
I want you to think about that person right now. And you know what they did. (laughs) Now the challenge is this. Am I able to pray for them? For some of us, you say, I don't even know if I can forgive them. But we will never learn to be in community and better together unless we learn how to forgive. And sometimes over and over again. But if I want to grow, if I want to learn to be better together in community as he has called us to, I cannot allow those things to hinder my walk. Yes, I'll struggle through it. Yes, you will too. But we need to come out, church, on the other side of that and say, Lord, I give that person to you. Just Can you do it right now? If that's in your heart, just give that person or that situation to the Lord. Even if you've done it numerous times, do it again. Because sooner or later, peace will come. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you need to know that he's calling your name right now. His arms are wide open. And he's saying, I love you just the way you are. With all the baggage, with all the weights, all the mistakes, all the hurts. I love you. But I want to free you of those things. I want to help you for the rest of the days until I meet you face to face. If that's you, we want to pray with you today. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We're not asking you to sign up for anything. What we're crying out is that you too would know Jesus the way he wants you to know him. If you're here today and you need prayer for healing, we believe in that. We anoint people with oil, as the Bible says in James. We confess our sins one to another. We pray over each other. And the Bible says in that process we are healed. So if you need prayer today for that, please come when the worship team is playing here in a moment. If you need prayer to say, you know, there's this person or this thing in my life, I want to pray with someone. I want, to, I want somebody to pray with me about this, then, then please come. And why do we ask you to come up here? Well, because it's a step of faith. A step of faith. It's a stepping out and saying, Lord, I trust you. And not only that, it allows others who are ready to stand with you to come and pray with you. Because you're never alone. Jesus is always with us. So, Lord, teach us today how to be better together than we are apart. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.